Hello and welcome to the fourth season of From the Rookery End podcast. It's going to be a good season, is it not, Michael? Do not scratch your eyes. <laughs> Do not scratch your ears. We're back and it's going to be amazing. We couldn't contain ourselves any longer, really. I've uh, been itching to start talking about Watford again. And uh, oh, I think it's, this is the most excited I've felt pre-season for a long, long time. We are, this is uh, from the weekend, as we've been doing for the last uh, three seasons. Um, my name's John, with me is, is Mike. Hello, yeah. Jason is, Hello. Uh, is here. And uh, these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. Um, this pre-season special, we are going to have, of course, a, check about, a, a chat about those expectations Watford fans have for the season. Uh, we'll have to uh, reassess our thoughts on, on what is a Watford squad. There have been ins, there have been outs. Jason? Yeah. It's going to be epic, isn't it? The podcast is going to be epic. That <laughs> much, of course. Um, many changes again, mm. as, as you sort of hinted at there, John. So that's not new. It will be me. That's it's never not new. new. But the, the, the new also isn't new. It's all bloody fashion sense, Jason. I only just noticed you've got shorts and socks on. Black socks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one for I'm not one for flip flops or, or, or bare feet. I always have, and. and I sort of yes took my trousers from working through these on and and the the, the long socks have changed rolled down I would hasten to add listener <laughs> that's <laughs> the only bit of negativity I want to have there oh whoa whoa Michael you're promising is that, a, is that a promise <laughs> anyway the, 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 so that would be epic if if Mike goes through the whole season <laughs> without being negative that would certainly be epic um, yeah the, the the signs are good aren't they the, the you look at the we've got a lot of the guys back from last season, the good guys, uh, and the bios of the people that have been added to the squad sound good. They make good reading. If all goes well, yes, it will be an epic season. Let's get on with an epic season of podcast. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the rookery end. So we finished last season in third place. In the championship, third place. Did you just say third place? <laughs> oh, it did. It did sound like that. Did it? it? A slip of the tongue there. Ne- uh, completely unexpected from where we were at our pre-season podcast this time last year. We got to Wembley. We did. It was a lovely day out. The, the, the game on the pitch wasn't good for Watford. I don't think it was even great for, for Crystal Palace. We could only be undone by a penalty from Kevin Phillips. <sighs> What's our expectations for this year, Mike? Well, I think. A lot can be read into the fact that we often talk about teams who lose in the playoff final having that hangover, mm. having that sort of how do you bounce back from losing the richest game in football and being so close and, and missing out. I don't think I'm alone when I say I walked out of Wembley and I was almost over that game instantly because mm. I think we discussed it in the podcast after that. And I think Watford fans knew something was afoot, something special was happening. We said... You know, this is the beginning of something. And we also said we're going to have to wait and see what happens over the summer with the, with the Potsos. This is our first pre-season with them at the helm. Are they going to deliver us a, a side that is worthy of promotion? Are they going to make those loans permanent? What are they going to do? Um, and on paper, they've absolutely delivered, haven't they? Mm-hmm. We look like, they, I mean, they look like, let's not make any bones about it, they look like they're building a team for the Premier League. Mm. Um and that can't have escaped any Watford fans' attention. Therefore, the expectation goes along with that. You know, it, the expectation levels have raised in line with the sort of players we've seen. We were treated to an amazing season last year. We've now got better players. 
as well. We've got those guys plus some extras. It's impossible not to think we should be challenging. So the expectation level is massively high, let's be honest. Now, we want you... You know, we are three Watford fans, and we don't want this just to be us, these podcasts. We never have done. So we, we, we want you to get more involved with the podcast. We want you to, um, if you go to our, our, our blog, there is a uh, record audio button on there where you can send us some audio from your computer or from your iPhone. Um, we asked on Twitter for some for questions. Um, one came up, Jason. What should our expectations be, and would you take a playoff position now if it was offered to you? Wow. It's <laughs> a good question. Good question. Yeah. It is good. Good. No. Okay. Tell you why. Taking it a year ago. Tell you why. I don't know. I would. I could. Yeah. Different. Now, the reason I was going to say why I wouldn't take it now yeah. is because I want to see what this season delivers. I want. I want to experience the the ups and downs of a of a championship season. They, they've been great, not just last season, but. Seasons before that have all been quite entertaining. Certainly, while we've been doing these podcasts, um, yeah, I want to experience. I don't want to jump straight into a playoff place. <laughs> I want to see what, yeah, what we can deliver over the course of the season. So you're willing to gamble playoff place for for presumably yeah. for automatic? Yeah. Now, Jan, that that obviously we're talking about expectations. Last year, quite early on in the season, Jan Franco said we will be challenging for the title yeah, next yeah. season. Jan Franco to, uh, to check out. <laughs> yeah, he's, earned, he's earned first name terms. He probably doesn't. Um, but the the, the, the yeah, with, with our, our great season we had last year, we were you know we got you know, lots of people watched that player final. Mm-hmm. Lots of people always do. Um, the, the the spotlight is on us um, for many reasons, be it the the, the the model of how we bring in players. Yeah. Um, or just that thing of maybe a few clubs this year will see as, as the club they want to take down. That, that's, that's probably the, yeah that we are a threat now. This time last season and well into the season, clubs other clubs didn't see us as a threat. Now mm. they will see us as a threat. So that's that's sort of a new thing for 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 James Franco. Um, David Jacobs he said to us he asked um, how will we cope with a new, our newly found animosity towards our club both on and off the pitch. Let's not forget Gianfranco hasn't been a manager for that long what, with his, including his West Ham experience it's a, just over a couple of seasons I think so yeah, it's, it's a new part of the learning curve for him he, they aren't, he's now, he has that expectation that's up there he's now a manager of one of the bigger clubs in the division that he's in so yeah, he's, he's got to prepare himself for that I, th- I think the players will will absolutely relish that. I think they will thrive on it. These are guys who have have either got experience at, at the top level or are certainly aiming to be there in a very short space of time, and they will want to be talked about and they will want to be in the in the limelight, and they will absolutely thrive and flourish on on being. Whether it's you know whether opposition teams will raise their game against Watford, I'm sure they will. They will that what they definitely will do is play in a certain style. They won't let us play with the freedom that we we did a little bit last year because you know we were a bit of a we started off I guess as a bit of a curate tech didn't we people thought it was quite almost a bit a bit weird a bit kooky that we were getting all these unheard of players from Udinese and oh, that's, that's an interesting experiment and I think initially people compared us to Doncaster where there was that mm, yeah. situation with the with the agent who basically shipped or you know it might be a little bit like that and then we lost our first couple of games and people stopped watching and then we started winning virtually every game and scoring about four in every game as well. <laughs> so people took notice and that ramped up throughout the season, didn't it? And then it ended up being 
Um, quite a tough end to the season for, for whatever, whatever reason. But I think the players would absolutely relish it, and I think that us as supporters should as well. I think we should. The fact that people are talking about us and often not in glowing terms, that makes it all the more fun. We should be. The reason people are talking about us is because they are, they fear us, they're worried about us, or we're interesting enough to talk about. You know, we're not mid-table. We're not sort of flirting with relegation. We're doing stuff. You know, we're we're making things happen and making waves in in football and I think we should all the club, the fans, the community should really, really relish that and enjoy it. I always remember Man United, you know, us started off Liverpool, everyone disliked Liverpool because they were successful. Then it was Man United. And you'd any reason to have a go at Man United because they won and everything. Now it's Chelsea because they had all the money. Now it's Man City. You know, I always remember they those supporters thinking that it always looked like water off a duck's back to them. Because they it's easy, isn't it, when yeah. you when you've got great football to watch yeah. and so, you know, I'm not saying we're like those teams, but in, in terms of other teams, other other supporters looking at us now, that's the sort of situation we're in. People don't like us because either they're jealous or they don't like what we're doing. Let's enjoy it. It's going to be brilliant. From the rookery end. Jase, okay, so let's look at the, the division as a, as a whole. Technically, the... Two teams that were better than us across the season, they've gone up. Mm-hmm. And only one team that below us have, uh, uh, went up. You know, clubs coming down, Wigan. Wigan, Wigan, Wigan. I'm not sure about. Um, but the other two, I think, will be up there. Wigan keep don't, the don't, let, don't let Redknapp fool you with his, it's going to be tough for us. There's a manager who is a very experienced manager. He's won that division before. He knows what it takes. Um what he's got to sort out is that squad. It might take them a bit of time, and they might have a bit of a slow start. But once they get going, I think they'll be they'll be off and up there. Uh, Reading, I think what goes in their favour is that they've got the bulk of a squad that, that won the league two years yeah. ago, and they haven't made too many changes. They didn't go nuts in the Premier League last year. Okay, it cost them their place. Um, Mr. Mariapa is still there, uh, and we know he's a decent Championship player, and they've got a lot of very good championship players in that side that know how to win that league. So I think those two will be a threat. From the rest, I think Forrest will be a good team this season. Billy Davis has got them going after the calamitous rains of uh, Cliche for that period in yeah. the middle. And uh, uh, I can remember it was, was it Driscoll was there was yeah, it before, and it, and it just didn't work for those two. But Billy Davis has got them playing again, and if he can continue in that vein, they did tail off towards the end, but. I, I think they'll be up there. You can never discount Leicester. They, they're always sort of battling in and around. Um, and they almost got a, a sort of second win by getting into the playoffs. When yeah. we beat them at the end of last season in the uh, in the league game, that they were all talking about Pearson getting a sack. Then that amazing win against Forest at the end gave them a, a new lease of life. Bit of a kicker the way they lost in the playoff. But I think now that Pearson is still there, um, I think they'll have another go. I think Jason's put a bit of reality check on there. Well, yeah. I think, he's <laughs> Obviously, I'm a little bit negative. And David Levy, friend of the podcast, um, co-host uh, every so often, his tweet, classic Levy, uh, was, uh, why do some Watford fans, Mike, have ridiculous, he didn't actually emphasise that word in the tweet, because you can't, ridiculous expectations for the season already? Because Jason just put, yeah, he just named a dozen, half a dozen clubs there, 
who could easily finish by Watford. Is it ridiculous our expectations? The way we way we start this podcast off on such a positive note. I think part of the fun of being a, a football supporter is letting your imagination go and thinking. If you don't think your football team's the best at the start of the season, you probably ought not bother. Mm. You know, it's the time of the time of year that anything's possible. Um, you, we could go the season unbeaten. You might not win a game. You know, whatever. Anything can happen. And I think it's very, very. It's a big ask of Watford fans who have had pretty lean times of late. Um, you know, it's been relegated after we've got relegated from the Premier League with, with Boothford. It's been pretty lean. It's been on the pitch. Hasn't been much fun. Financial issues have been have been terrifying at times. Um, so now we've got what appears to be a, a settled sort of team looking after the club. We've got the Pozzo family looking after us. Looks like money isn't an object. We've got a team playing amazing football, and we've we've added to a squad that performed amazingly last year. It's very very hard not to not to get excited and to think that we're going to go and do do very very well because. Jason was absolutely right to, to point. He named but a, a couple of clubs, and I could have jumped in with another five or six or seven, yeah. who could easily. You'd look at them on when you know when Saturday morning actually rolls around. You think, oh, we're away at Barnsley today. Barnsley should uh, at the bottom of the league, but you still think, oh, actually, I'd probably take a draw there. You know, mm. and, and, the, and the league is littered with that. So there's quite there's a juxtaposition between the amazing squad that we now have assembled. We can't shy away from the mm. fact that the Potsos are obviously building a side to challenge for promotion. That is what they're there to do. But we've all seen enough championship football to know that it's utterly mental. And anything could happen. You lose the first two or three games, two of them could get injured, um, you could end up with some suspensions, and you've got Monday, Tuesday, uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and it's not, you know, things, you need a bit of luck as well as, as, well as all the sort of the infrastructure mm. and, the, and the decent players. So, the thing holding me back is the fact that we've seen so much championship football I and mean, so much of it doesn't make sense. It's football, really. But what are you more excited about? The home and the away kit, Jason? <laughs> the yellow or the burgundy? Oh, the yellow. Mike? I quite like the burgundy. Right <laughs> I now. do as well, yeah. yeah the burgundy is nice, but, but, but the yellow is yellow. I, I, I always opt for the... Anything against the, the, white, shirt, uh, the yellow only badge? Not not that I'm going to sleep over. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is a little bit different. Um, personally, I, I, I don't think... If, if you had the red badge, the bit with the, the yellow with the red badge on there, I think that would have looked just as nice. I, I don't know why they, they've changed it. Um, but, yeah, it's... Minimalist. It's, it's, yeah, why waste extra effort? It's the kit. It's not the most important aspect of our season coming up. Um, <laughs> and we've got to remember... Uh, way back in the 50s I think it was when we changed from blue to yellow yeah they made that decision change from blue to yellow and that's why we all have yellow now that was a big change then and, and it doesn't seem to have hers I think that's a fair sub isn't it? absolutely from the rookery end the sound of a, of a hornet singing along there the, the atmosphere at Wembley was Highly critical. I don't know why, because if, if nothing's going on the pitch, you can't sing and shout about a not amazing performance. Um, maybe the performance that we were expecting. Several things have gone on about the atmosphere. Um, one, one's from the club. The first thing is that they're say no to no shows, which I'm all about. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Jason, they said if you um, aren't going to get to a game and you're a season ticket holder, Tell the club you're not doing it, and they could resell it. And if they resell it, the profit 
goes to charity, which is a great thing to do. It's a win-win situation, isn't it? It is. Um, we are, Jason and I especially, might miss a few games this year mm-hmm. due to um, uh, the starting of families. Um, so we might be have to have to use not that. Not with each other. No, yeah, not with each other, yeah. Just, just to checking. make that clear. Um, there are two new Hornets coming in to the, uh, to the uh, Hornets nation. Um, it's a good thing. We, we, we're going we're to make sure that we, we give up our tickets and our season tickets when we know that we, we can't make those games. Uh, and we, we ask you to do the same because keeping that momentum and, and the crowd behind them is very important. Mike? I think, I think that's a, it's a re- this, this may seem like a little thing, but that's another indication of our club still being our club and doing things that other, other clubs wouldn't necessarily think about doing. Obviously, it's a benefit to, to Watford. It means that if, if five mates can't go because they're on a stag deal or whatever... Those five seats will get resold, and you know you, you will have a full Vicarage Road, hopefully cheering Watford on to, to victory. But there's the little thing about reselling it and, and putting the money to charity. It's just a real nice little reminder that all this talk about sort of international signings and you know, so it's all very exotic. But at the end of the day, it's nice to see these little nuts and bolts still in place. And you mentioned Wembley and the atmosphere there. There was a lot of disappointment, I know, about the the phone numbers that, mm. that people had to phone to. To um, to get their tickets and people ended up with big phone bills. Um, and what Watford have done is they've ditched that that number. They've mm-hmm. said they won't be using those sort of premium rate. I don't think it's premium rate, but it ended up being quite expensive because mm-hmm. yeah. you ended yeah. up on hold because obviously people get keen to get tickets. And again, it's not a sexy thing to have done. It didn't get headlines. They've ditched it and they've made sure that now if Watford fans need to get tickets, they won't end up out of pocket. There's an no 0923 number, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so they're two little things that won't get end up in the Daily Mail, they won't end up on Sky Sports, <laughs> but I think um, they're the little sort of kernels of things that are always there about our football club that we should always recognise and, and sort of be thankful for, that they've still got their, their eyes on, on those little things, where obviously we're aiming for the Premier League and we all know how different life is up there and all the money that comes with it, but... There's still with those things that are important to, to you and I on a daily, you know, you guys talking about having kids and money will be important. And, you know, those little things matter to supporters. And I think we should pause to, to, to sort of reflect and make sure that we acknowledge those and say well done to the club. And it's little things like that that, that keep Watford special. So Something something that is, is, is both good for the club and, and, and great for the fans is, um, is the 1881 singing section. Um, started by fans, um, particularly by a guy called Roy Moore, who we've met um, through doing the podcast, and he's a fantastic man for all the effort he's putting in. But the club have sort of seen it, and they've supported it to sort of allow it to happen. A singing section, an organised singing section, good or bad, Jason? Well, if you have a look at the example that was presented to us at the other end of Wembley, where they had all their singers in one section and everything spread out, if we can get it to work like that, then I think it's a fantastic idea. It is. Um, um, I caught up with Roy um, pre uh, the game at, against Granada um, to find out how he went from from Wembley to having what I believe is about 250 season ticket holders have moved into this one singing section. Yeah. It's not him and a couple of his mates going, "Oh, we're going to start a couple of songs." It's a bit, a lot of people, and apparently he's raised over three thousand pounds for flags and and promotion and to sort of. Raise the atmosphere. So, hats off to Roy. Just to, so chat to Roy to find out what was going on, why he is where he is now. Roy, we were all at Wembley. Do you think the criticism from Watford fans about how quiet we were 
was justified, first yes. of all. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was lucky enough to have a box at Wembley. It did look amazing. People that have been to Wembley in '84, '99, and in Cardiff, um, it's just a, it's just an amazing sight to see just to see a yellow. Yeah. So the anticipation was there, but I don't think the fans turned up. You looked at it early early in the match as everything sort of came out. It was loud enough. It was exciting enough. But then nothing sort of happened on the pitch. And then all of a sudden, I think where we fell over, where Crystal Palace were, were is they were a little bit just more organised and had their little singing section in the, in the middle. It sort of yeah. grew, but only truly grew when they scored their goal. And it went over yeah. with, with the Zaha. But it wasn't like the entire Crystal Palace end no. was singing for 120 minutes. No. From where we were, we were sitting, we could see that they'd, had, they'd congregated about 250 to 300 fans behind their goal, they're all dressed in black, but that was pre-organised from between them and, and the club. It wasn't Watford's fault per se that we can do that, it was mm. just the way that it was work, worked out because of Ticketmaster, etc, etc. It was, it was a, a big talking point after the, after the game. Quite quickly, you start getting to work, really, and you start your, what is, what is now uh, 1881. Yes. Now, what is 1881 going to be? 1881 is a dedicated section of fans. It's not a group. One thing that I want to put across is we don't want to alienate any other fans. We want to be a catalyst for the, for the rest of hmm. the ground. The club were supportive. Yes, uh, there, was, there was some dialogue between myself and, uh, and the club. Initially, I, I kind of tried to see if we could get the East Stand revamped for, for 300 seats, but the cost was too much. We sat down at the computer, we had a look at the seating plans and what was taken up, what was already sold, etc., and the southwest corner was the only area that had a big enough block of fans where we could expand to about 460. Where is it at the moment then? We're 337. That's um, amazing. It's been a very short summer to get that far down the line. Well, when you consider that we've just lost at Wembley, etc., yeah. etc., et within two weeks we've had over 100. It's been pretty amazing. You also raised a heck of a lot of money. Yes, we started doing like a donations for, for, for flags. I kind of started it off just to see, you know, if we, if we, if we gained £100, it'd be great. So a couple of hundred quid, get a flag, it'd be great. Um, all of a sudden, the donations started pouring in through our website, www.the1881.com. And all of a sudden, I was getting a notification, notification, notification on my phone. £1, £2, it's £5. Uh, a couple of couple of people have put in an, uh, an extra an extra little bit. Okay. Um, I have to I have to say a big thanks to the Watford Supporters Trust because they got in contact with me. We had a meeting, um, and, and they they've donated quite a bit as well towards it all. So it's been really good. I think all the fans have come together, and and that's where we want to be really with Watford. We want all fans, the, the team, the club, all moving forward in the same direction. So. Excellent. We're, we're going to be part of it. We're to support and uh, to spread the word. Thank you very much. Friend. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, a jolly good season as Watford fans. Yes, excellent. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Kechi and you're listening to from the Korean. Kechi was a, a player on loan at Watford last year. Uh, and we've had many ins and outs at Vicarage Road over the summer. We left Wembley Stadium. We weren't 100% sure who would be making up the, the starting eleven or starting squad of Watford at the first game of the season. Um, were some of these players going to come back? Were we going to have a, a, an issue with our transfer embargo? 
I think for the first time I sort of had some confidence because of our owners that actually wouldn't be a nightmare and things would be sorted out at the end, but it could be problematic. That's I, 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 I wondered. So we've had a lot of a lot of a lot of. Let's let's start with the the outs. The club announced so Jack Bonham, he's gone off to uh, to Brentford. Mark Yates. 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 Mm. He burned bright, but briefly. <laughs> off to, off to uh, the uh, League Cup final runners-up. Yeah. yeah, of course. The season after their success. Yeah. Uh, Prince Barabin. Um, he hasn't been the new prince for, for Kate and Will. That was Prince George. Yeah. Uh, Stephen McGinn, uh, Pierre Mingoya, uh, Aaron Tumwa, and Stephen Hamilton Forbes were all released uh, in the early, early part of uh, June. And since then, uh, we, we learnt this week that uh, Lee Hodson has gone off to uh, MK Dons. So oh, oh, look at that. It's the first time he's probably ever got his name right on the podcast. Carl Dickinson was released or by mutual consent. Uh, and the biggest news, and Mike, Big John's gone. John Eustace uh, was, was, has gone... Apparently asked, uh, offered uh, an assistant manager's job at the club, and he is signed with uh, with Derby. Yeah. The teeth are gone. The teeth are gone. A little bit of my cold black heart became even colder and blacker. <laughs> I was I was on the computer the other day. It was a couple of weeks ago, and I actually saw a picture of him in the Derby kit. He's obviously training with him, and my heart stopped. <laughs> it's just one of those horrible moments, you know, when you. I don't know, you've left the iron on or you're, and you're halfway down the M4 on to your holiday or something and you start one of those <gasps> <sighs> really <laughs> sad to see him go, I'll be honest. <laughs> what I least know I loved about John, well everyone knows what I loved about John, his white teeth, he was amazing, he was fantastic, he was handsome, he was rugged, he was tough, he was everything that I love in a man. But, <laughs> he, you know, just a little, the stuff he did for our club, he was, we've talked about how tough, how up and down Watford's been while we've been doing these podcasts, he's always been there and he's always been that sort of um, you always felt that we'd safely get guided to port with John Eustace there, whether it be roughing up opposition players or having a word with the referee, making sure that bad things didn't happen to his, his Watford football club, basically. And it's a real, real shame to see him go. I, I actually thought he'd it'd be a real benefit to. We talked about Gianfranco Zola and the pressures on him um, managing in the Championship. He's still a relative new, newcomer to one of the toughest leagues in the division, and having someone like Eustace who patently had the respect of the players will have no doubt had the respect of his opposition players, understood the way officials worked and understood the way captaincy in the championship works. You know, when a player needs a, a hand round his an arm round his shoulder, when when a player needs an, a hand round his neck and a bit of a jolly <laughs> when a referee needs reminding he's not necessarily doing his job as well as he might do. Um and indeed if he was going to be starting from the bench or, or was going to be unfit helping Gianfranco out, saying, you know, maybe go and have a word with 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 him or or maybe think about doing this. Uh, I've seen, uh, I don't know. I've seen I've seen Burnley do this before, so let's pick that up. So, I mean, but no, we all knew. Uh, we don't. Sadly, I didn't know him as well as I'd like to. But we knew <laughs> we knew him well enough to know that he wants to. That bloke wants to play football. We've yeah. spoken to him before, and the be all and end all for him is playing football. And I don't think, in all honesty, Watford could have sat down, looked him in the eye, and said, "John, come on, stay with us, and you'll get some. You'll get decent amount of minutes because." Mm. We've talked about the, the the calibre of player that come in, and he wasn't going to he wasn't going to get it. So, n- absolutely no surprise that he's that he's wanted to to carry on his playing career, and that's um, I'm so proud of him. That sounds, sounds ridiculous. I'm not his dad, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, good because yeah, yeah. the Eustace tradition continues. He's not giving up. He's quitting his team and saying, right, bollocks to you lot. 
good while it lasts, but I'm off somewhere else. Well, Ian Grant uh, wrote a lovely piece on, on Be Happy um, about the importance of a club captain. Mm. Um, and I think that's what John is... That's my worry about what he might leave, is do we have a club captain um, who is going to do whatever he did last year off the pitch? Didn't have to do it on the pitch, but he was doing it off the pitch to sort of, you know, part of the moulding of what is this new Watford. Yeah, I think people who play amateur sport will understand the role of what a club captain is. Mm. You know, they do a lot of, in, in amateur sport, they do a lot of organising, they collect fees, they send the texts around on a Friday night checking everyone's available. And as you rightly said there, Johnny, they pull everything together. And I think Eustace, obviously, there was a, there was an element of that and keeping people in line. And it will be interesting to see who you do look around. And yeah, I think obviously, the nearest, I was going to say, Almunia probably is the, is the one. Um, you've got a club captain. Yeah, yeah well, I was say he's the nearest, not yeah. not, a, not a replacement as such. I mean, on the as an on the pitch experienced head, we've obviously got Santos coming, an older mm. guy um, who might be able to do that sort of role on the pitch. But off the pitch, he's new to the club. It's it's a bit different. I've said, I apologise this man because I just can't get out of my head the thought of you on your computer searching for images of John Eustace. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, he, it's it's just not, completely it's not a new thing. For you completely, <laughs> completely thrown my train of thought. Well, until you, you, until you, until you just described it, it, it was yeah. I, I'd never really thought about it. But so, now you've so don't go to talking about blocking porn. They need to block, uh, <laughs> block to the John Eustace for me. But I mean, I think we talked about uh, uh, absolutely right on pitch and, and club captain are two very different things. We were all very um, impressed with the way Almunia came into the into the fold if you like on the pitch he would he seemed to be um, organising quite nicely but and you do look around and you think well you know they've got Lloyd Doyle who's been there a long time not obviously knows his way around the division but has he got that sort of gravitas mm. that, that that used to have and maybe Fitzhall obviously it doesn't look like he's coming back at, at, at this stage so you know, but you just, have to but if you're going to pick someone new you know, John was picked as club captain he was picked when he played regularly, and he just didn't play regularly last year with injury and yeah. what have you, um, you sort of if you're going to pick a captain for Saturday, that's different to picking a captain. But I think I'm sure that will come out in the, in the mix over the next couple of couple of months. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. They're the outs, the ins, the ins. Abdi, Pudil, Anya, Patokio. Cassetti, Extran, all signed permanent deals with the Hornets. One man didn't. Does that bother you? And how do you feel about those people returning? The people returning, great. I think we all know they they contributed to uh, the success, relative success of uh, of last season. It was a successful season. It It was a successful season, yeah. Um, So, yeah, great to see them back, and it gives us that... Consistency. We obviously uh, a lot of comments are made about, oh, we're going to lose all our low knees and we're going to have yeah, to start yeah. from scratch again. Because um, did, did all you, those players back? How, it's how, not how, so I, I said before. I know that was the, it was a technicality that they weren't definitely coming back. I worried about being problematic. Were you worried that those players would come back or anyone of, in, of all that? of them? Yeah, in particular, Abdi. I think. I was worried about him not coming back. My next question was going to be, who's the most important returner that isn't Alman Abdi? Okay. Uh, who isn't... Well, one name we didn't mention about being a uh, maybe a club captain could be Marco Cassetti. 
Oh. Again, experienced guy, and, and, and he is, and, he, and I, I see him as an ideal replacement for Johnny, as far as Mike's concerned. <laughs> the, the general suaveness of the guy. Um, <laughs> the beard and the band. The, yeah, the beard and the band. And um, very senior pro, and, and he could take on that role. And uh, yeah, I think good good to see him back. And of course, he is the future of, of Watford Central Defence. Defence, defense, according to. Jan Franco. Oh, yes. I, th- I think Cassetti coming back is quite a, quite speaks volumes about the hopes for this season for within the club because he it was very clear that he didn't move his family over. His kids were left in Italy. His wife was in Italy. He didn't you know didn't commit by moving his family over. And, and that was I think a lot of people thought he probably wouldn't a because of his age and b because you know it, almost a bit of a Filippo Gali type thing. He'd come mm. in for a year and, and then off he'd go. But he'd come back. So whether he moves, he's either going to leave his family again for a year or he's going to bring them over, which I think shows a commitment. Well, it's, a, it's a one-year contract, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. With, who, you know, apart from that, is who for you, Mike, is the most important returner that isn't Alan Abdi? It's another defender, and it's uh, Joel Ekstrand. Yeah. I think uh, not only was he a fabulous interview, he was really funny, really engaging, yeah. really nice. And I think that we really twigged again. It's quite late in the season we spoke to him, but you knew that these guys... We're here for the right reasons when he spoke to Joel Exton. He, um, we'd supposed to speak to him a couple of weeks before when he was supposed to be playing for Sweden, you know, a full international here at Watford. But he wanted to win for, for Watford and he was obviously really behind it. And, you know, his personality aside, he, what a cracking footballer he is. He's comfortable on the ball. He can, he, 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 he can tackle, he can head, and he is going to score some wonderful goals. <laughs> yeah. uh, crossbars of, uh, of the Championship are quaking already, but... Delighted to see him back. My favourite returner, I think, maybe not because I think of his importance and maybe his initial impact, but it's more his development and excitement that he brings is, is Christian, and let's get this straight, how are we saying the surname? But Tokyo? Uh, Batoki, is it Batokyo? I'm thinking we, we, we finish up with Batokyo like Pinocchio. I think okay. I think you're focusing on the wrong part of his name. <laughs> uh, during my sort of uh, long summer of uh, discontent, I, and while I was, wasn't looking for John Eustace speeches, <laughs> I found out that Christian Batocchio, Batocchio's middle name was Damien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's Where'd you that from Wikipedia? Well, I don't know. I can't remember. Must be I, true. I don't remember. I remember it stuck but, out. Sort of. But he, he, I, there were certain points last year where it was him, Forestieri, Cassetti, and there was an Italian passing excitement that didn't wasn't quite ready you know with, with uh, Batocchio and, and Poetio weren't quite ready and I'm hoping that will move on to the next level but talking of our Italian influx the new boys let's go through the uh, the, the, the ones who I can pronounce actually I can't pronounce them all should we get Jason to do it? well no from not in Forest Lewis McGugan. <laughs> Thank you. I can say that one. one yeah. And I can say Reese Brown from Manchester well United. Done. I well can done. say that it's one. It's only because you remember his name from his brother. Yeah, it's true, but I'm, I know lots of Reese's. <sighs> What's the name of the young player who's come from Reading? Uche. Oh, is it. I, 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 how do you. Yeah, this is, how this is a tough it? one, is it? Ick Piazzi, I reckon. I'm going for that. Ick Piazzi? I think I went there for two weeks on holiday when I was is it Ike Pezu? I literally, Ike, I don't know. Then we've got from the from the um, the Pozzo um, network, as we want to say, we have Gabriel Angela, Javier Acuna, uh, Marco David Far uh, Far Faroni Far Faroni Far Faroni. Is it Faroni? 
Faraoni. Uni, yeah. And uh, Diego Fabrini, not Lamborghini. And... Leaving this one to you, John. Irony. Irony, irony, irony. I've got a nice idea for a song. If it's irony, I think it'd be nice. Uh, Lance from a set cover. Um, but let's call him the, the boy Santos. Santos. <laughs> the boy Santos. Now, Jason, that is one, two, three, four Italians, one from Spain. Are the you know the, the, there was that thing this time last year? All these foreign players coming in. Is that going to change the Watford way? Are the new additions to Watford even going to? push us further down that, that road of the Italian Zola style of football? I'm sure they would only have come into the squad because Zola wants them in the squad mm. and they suit the style of football he's going to play. Now there is a question on what style of football is he going to play? We know for a fact that his favourite formation is 4-3-3 and he tried to start off playing that. Mm. Last season didn't quite work, changed to 3-5-2. Yeah. Um, mm. And it seems that we are actually playing 3-5-2 in the friendlies already. I don't know if he's tried to mix it up too much, but um, yeah, is he going to stick with that and these players fit that style of play or is it because he wants to change it and these players suit the, his favoured style of play? Hey, look at someone like uh, Fabrini, who I think is more of a, an attacking type of player. There was talk that Taylor was looking to play him in a more of a defensive midfield role, so interesting to see uh, what happens with him particularly. Um, and the fact that he is an Italian international, let's not forget, mm-hmm. played in the... Uh, in the, in the friendly at the Wankdorf Stadium, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, enjoy saying that stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, where he came on and got booked. You made your debut there every night. From what <laughs> 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 um, but I, okay. but the the whole worry that oh, you know are they going to be right for the championship? What is it? Uh, Acuna's nickname is the Pitbull. I think yes, I think that was because that's that's a, that's, that's a right, nickname for, that's for the a, championship, yeah. isn't it? Again, some uh, some tweets and questions that come in um, from from anyone who will tweet us. Really, um, uh, Chris underscore G uh, with a full preseason behind them, can the team hit the ground running this year, Jason? You say full preseason. There's still a few that have sort of come in late. So the, the bulk of the squad, yes, it should should be better, better start than last year. Yeah, more preseason um, than last year. I say. But you look that. I mean, already we know that a few players are missed friendlies because they're not quite up to the up to match fitness, whether these last couple of games, um, Peterborough and the uh, Granada game, and maybe uh, a bit more playing time if they do end up playing Cosmos behind closed doors. Um, there's also there's still Boreham Wood to come as well, I think. Yeah, so yeah. there's a friendly. So will that give them enough time to, to get up to match fitness? Um, and it might not be the end of the signings as well. We don't know who else might come in. There may be one or two more players. Mm-hmm. I'm currently um, without so it's a better <laughs> it's a it's a better preseason certainly than last year. Um but I think I guess as with all preseasons there are some players that will come in late um and it will still take time over that first couple of months to it's definitely definitely more settled than it was last year. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, an absolute yeah. maelstrom of, of all sorts of going on. But it's all that another couple of key things that have happened. There have been um Changes to Zoda's backroom staff, haven't they? So I think there's yep. been changes in the fitness team and assistant coach and so on and so forth. So yeah, as James rightly points out, there has been, I think probably a lot of the players have been in and around the club for a while, knowing they were going to sign on the basis that the, the FA, the FAL, the Football League were going to ratify the thing. So, But it hasn't been without 
it doesn't feel like it's been a completely sort of no. um, probably within it's probably felt a lot calmer than than it has yeah. externally. But you know there have been other things. Like the injuries did hit us a little bit last year. I, I felt and questions were asked about the recovery time of some players and the frequency with which they were getting 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 injured. So perhaps not a massive surprise to see see some changes in the backroom staff there, but. In answer to the original question, I'd like to think that we'd get off to a quicker start than we did last year, mainly because we've got that that large sort of mm. streak of uh, of players who were here last year, and they'll know their way around the league, they'll know each other, and will help the other guys to settle in. So, Sean Fullerton, uh, Sean F eighty one on Twitter, who do you think is the most important signing from the summer? How about I know what you're saying, Sean. Let's say because there's lots of players and we haven't seen. It's quite hard to judge that. What about the most important position we've got a signing in, where are we sort of weakest in? Is it the forward? Is it that centre midfield? Because we know Eustace has gone, we know Chalaba's not there, or is it the centre back? Because we know that we only really we had a lot of injuries, and and Fitz Hall's gone. Which Jason for you is the most important position that wow, we've got a signing? That's a that's a good question, um, <laughs> and a lot of it. it, it, it we haven't seen, like you say, we haven't seen these guys yet. So is it? And we might not know who is more important. We, we yeah, but who, where? where let's I, say. I would say uh, possibly centre back. Yeah. Um, Angela is, uh, by all accounts, a very composed centre back, good footballing centre back, um, and as we know, whilst we scored a lot of goals last season, we still managed to concede with uh, regularity. Um, and hopefully, with a, a, a better quality or better set of quality centre backs to choose from this year, we might see a more consistent and a better defence that will improve our, our number, uh, the number of wins, the number of points we get throughout the season to raise us up into those automatic spots. So we've got uh, we, the, the last bit here. So it follows on for stuff we were saying. Tim Rose he asked, uh, it appears we have more strength and depth. Is our starting eleven actually going to be stronger, Mike? I think you've got to say you've got to say yes. I think the big the big hole and the big the two that we felt were going to be hard to replace were, were Chalabar and, and obviously Vidra's goals. No. Ah, I wonder how long it takes to say Vidra. You, yeah. Well, yeah, we tried to avoid it. You did you did ask that question. I did, you did mention one particular yeah. but we managed to avoid saying the uh, the, v the V word. So I think they were the as we walked away from Wembley, the big questions were how do we replace Chalabar and how do we replace his goals, and I'm confident that we're going to score. We've got goals in in the side. Um, a because of the, the the caliber of the guys that we've got up there, and B because of the obvious creative sort of talent within the squad. Um, I think Chalabar was a, was interesting because I think he did tail off towards the end. He had a he had a poor game in the final. Um, so you know, be, but he was so pivotal. Um, and you don't find players like that every day. And, and as we've discussed, I haven't seen many of these guys at, at all. Um, so whether any of them are going to be able to fill that for that Santos is the man for that, by the um, sounds of things. Did you uh, read uh, in, is it in the Wolf's Mouth blog post, statistical blog post, about um, Bidra and how important he was? Did you read that? I saw, I've seen the highlights of that. Uh, yeah, I've heard the, heard the bullet point. So I tried to make a, I think he was really trying to make a point that actually Bidra wasn't that important. Because of when he scores those goals in a four nil win, is he sc is he scoring the, the the goal that makes us one nil up or two nil up, or is he just scoring a lot of goals in the fourth 
goal, which actually doesn't really matter. I think the, the, la- the last game. two goals he scored for Watford were, I think, very important. The, the, yeah. the playoff semi final. But the yeah, the, 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 you know me, I love a bit of uh, statistical evidence, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the stats don't lie. The other thing that don't lie about Vidra are that a he knows how to finish, as countless of his goals proved, and two he is just so quick, <laughs> uh, which is almost impossible to defend against. Um, so if we were to get Vidra back, I'd, I'd be very, very pleased to see him back in Watfordshire. I know that might be a controversial view, bizarrely, but I'd have Vidra back. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. It's now Saturday. Uh, Watford have just beaten Granada 2-0 here at Vickers Road. Uh, an impressive game. It's, it's been a lovely atmosphere. Uh, the house was absolutely full. They had to go and open up the uh, Vickers Road end to get everyone in who wants to come in. 5,000, I believe. Jim. Over 5,000. That's Andy. Uh, Mike's uh, brother, Andy. We've been watching the game. There were some Granada fans here. I caught up with them at half-time, see how they felt about coming to Watford and their season ahead. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, I mean, how, first of all, how, um, how do you boys, you know, how do Granada fans feel about Watford? Everyone was really welcoming for us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everyone was saying, oh, yeah, I'm from Granada. And uh, everyone was really welcoming for us. Yeah, that was, we didn't expect this because we have some expectations from English people. We didn't know about it, but we thought... Yeah, everyone was really and welcoming we for us. Along in the in the, in the stadium, and all the people say, "Hey, come on, hey, come yeah. on!" <laughs> everyone is really friendly for us. And how how are you guys feeling for this season for Granada? The next season, yeah, we are because we have no midfield. We have good strikers, good goalkeeper, but we need somebody in the midfield to play good. And are you still as Irene? Come on, Irene was okay. good last year. Are you still there? But the league is an unfair league. No. Yeah. Real Madrid, yeah. Barcelona, compared to everyone else. It's what? another championship between. We, we say that there, there are two leagues: Barcelona, Madrid, maybe Valencia, and then the rest. So they're not looking forward to this season because we've stolen their midfield. Andy. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, does it? No. Uh, so uh, we, we've stolen the midfield with uh, the boy Santos. Uh, I was very impressed with him. He's not my favourite new player. My new favourite player, at Watford, I think, is Fabrini. Oh. Interesting, mm. interesting. And why is that? Uh, just because he was. You worry about some, you know, they're, they're Italians, and they're, they're sort of known to fall over at will. But he was battling. He made space. He doesn't have the speed necessarily of Vidra, but he, he, the goal he scored was. I don't know. There was some thought behind it, and there was, you know, he he was standing his ground. Yeah. He was a battling. Forward. I can't disagree with that, to be fair. Um, uh, I think someone on Twitter, the Twitter reporter, reported it as a deflected goal. We thought it was mm. a really good finish. Yeah. But, um, we'll perhaps have to look that, look that back on the TV. But um, I can't disagree with you there. He looks good. One of the really good players, in, in, including the boy Santos, who I yeah. thought absolutely bossed it and yeah. um, looks a, uh, like he's going to uh, cause some championship trouble. This year, <laughs> yeah, I think. We like that. We, we certainly do. My favourite player, John, I think... I think I've got two, actually. Different, oh, different, en- different ends of the spectrum. Okay. In terms of... Angela looks at a class act at the back. Absolutely class. You know, picks out passes and just looks composed at every... Yeah, yeah. Cool as you like. Cool as you like. And um, I think you mentioned he's called the Pitbull. Yes. My other favourite is Akuna. Akuna. And I think mm. he's going to be it cult favourite here we had like we had two different two different teams in each half yeah um, second half it was um, uh, Forestieri Acuna 
Batachia, Batokio came on at, um, halfway through, and that, it's almost like we're going, we're going back to that point last year where there was either you were starting with Hey Ho and Forestieri, or you were starting with um, Dini and Vidra, and you know you, some signs of that, but maybe maybe not. Who knows? But there was. That's the best pre-season game of football I think yeah. I've seen at Vickers Road for yeah. a long, long time. Really, really enjoyable. I think it was two different teams, two different halves. I think, you know, Deeney looks like he's going to be important again, holding it up, doing a really, really um, important job for us. And then you've got the class of, you know, as you say, Fabrini and you know, hopefully Acuna um, and, and everybody else around him. But it, it was a good game and it was very enjoyable and two decent goals to be fair as well. Yeah. We were very positive uh, the other night when we were recording this with Jason and Mike. How reports back will, of course, be very positive. We'll be back for another podcast, recording that at the Bournemouth home game, the first home game of the season on the 10th of August. I hope you can join us then for what is guaranteed, instead of my fingers crossed, <laughs> going to be a fantastic season of what for You've football. You've jinxed it now, John. You've jinxed it. <laughs> my fingers are crossed. <laughs>